Hi, it's Radhika Jones, Editor-in-Chief of Vanity Fair. If you love digging into the week's political headlines, subscribe to Vanity Fair. Our reporters take you behind the scenes of some of the biggest stories from the campaign trail to the halls of Congress. Just for our Inside the Hive listeners, save 15% on a yearly digital subscription to Vanity Fair with promo code POD15. That's VanityFair.com, promo code POD15, for 15% off one year of all you can read, watch, and hear. Joe Trippi is a legend when it comes to political campaigns. He's worked on the presidential and statewide campaigns of Ted Kennedy, Walter Mondale, Gary Hart, Jerry Brown, John Edwards, and he was also the campaign manager for Howard Dean. Not to age Joe, but he's been strategizing about how to win in politics since 1979. Joe is probably most famous for the Dean campaign, where back in 2004, he used new online technologies to organize what became known as the largest grassroots movement in presidential politics at the time. I asked Joe to come on the show today to tell us what the hell is actually going on in Washington, D.C. these days. Is it as chaotic there as it seems out here in the real world? Are Trump's bizarre tweets and continual attacks part of a larger, more thought-out political strategy, or just an angry guy with a Twitter account who so happens to be president? But more importantly, given that Joe has such a unique knowledge of presidential campaigns, I wanted to know, as I'm sure you do, what's going to happen to the Democrats and the Republicans in both the 2018 and 2020 election? Who, for example, is going to be the frontrunner for both parties in the presidential race? I'm thrilled to have Joe on the show today. All right. Well, thank you so much for joining us today. Um, Good to be with you. Appreciate you taking the time. So, so let's just jump right in. Um, uh, you know, every morning I I open up my phone and with kind of one eye half open and the other eye terrified, look at the news, and it just seems <laughs> like everything is just so chaotic and going so quickly. Is this the way politics has always been, and technology just brings it to the forefront quicker, or is it really? chaotic right now? Uh, I think both things. I think uh, it, it, it's always been uh, chaotic and, and uh, 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 the pace of things ha- has always been sort of, uh, y- you know, uh, unpredictable, but nothing like this. I mean, I, and I think technology does have a lot to do with it, too. So it's, it's, it's kind of everything, you know, politics going haywire and technology moving everything faster and uh, even though it's it's always sort of been this way it's a jumbled mess like never before right now <laughs> how do you personally like make sense of it do you are you just kind of consuming everything all the time what, what, you know are you on twitter 24/7 on watching 12 different tv shows like what how do you make sense of all this noise that's going on constantly uh, I tune in and out of it. I mean, I, the way I deal with it is, I mean, obviously, you know, I'm on Twitter a lot, but I mean, I, I tune in for, uh, you know, uh, uh, you know, what could be 15 minutes or, uh, half an hour. And then I like just walk away and go do other things and come back and check in on the craziness again. <laughs> I mean, I, I just, it's just like a fire hose. So you, you, uh, you just got to, uh, and I think that's part of what's going on. I mean, people, if you're just sitting there and the fire hose is always on you, um, it's, it's got to feel like, you know, uh, chaotic and you're drowning. 
Uh, and so uh, that that's part of what's what uh, you know the, the filter's gone. It's just a it's just a full blown hot fire hose coming at you all the time. You've got to be the filter. You've got to walk away. So let's talk about um, the the one, the only, the infamous, the never ending tweeter, Donald Trump, for a minute. Um, uh, I, you know, I've seen some of your stuff on Fox. I've you know uh, read some of your interviews recently, and so on. And um, and the thing that I I I can't figure out, and I think most people can't figure out, and maybe you can shed a little light on this, is do you, you know he seems to be someone who is just constantly picking fights with whoever he can. You know, this week it was Sessions. Uh, I mean, we could just spend we could spend an hour just going back through every single fight he's picked. Do you think that this is his personality is one that is just constantly has to be in a brawl with someone or? Is this to try to deflect, you know, what's happening with Russia and the investigation? Is this just that he wakes up one morning and decides um, he doesn't like something? Like, what do you actually think is is the agenda for Trump's continual attacks against whoever he can attack? Uh, you know, I don't think it's uh, well thought out. It's not strategic. I think this is it is his personality. It is. Um, uh, the, the, the way, um, it is, it's who he is. Um, and he's, it, it, it's spur of the moment impulsive and, um, yeah, always aggressive, always on the attack. Um, and it doesn't really matter whether you were his best friend in the world yesterday, uh, AK Jeff Sessions or, uh, you know, and his strongest supporter, his earliest supporter, uh, you know, uh, it, it's not about, it's about, you know, maybe loyalty to him, but it's not his loyalty to anybody else. Um, and that's just who he is. And, uh, uh, and I don't think anybody thinking, you know, expecting that that was going to change, you know, as he grew into the presidency, uh, well, uh, I'd like to say you're sorely mistaken, but I think everybody who thought that has now figured it out. <laughs> you don't have to. Don't have to tell them. <laughs> yeah, completely. So, do you think that um, it's interesting because there's been all these, you know, um, articles as of late that, that point out that um, that most of his base, you know, through all of this, uh, still supports him. Um, you know, there was a, I believe it was Pew Research recently. Uh, found that, you know, the number of Republicans, the percentage of Republicans that still support him is only full. And I, I think maybe two points um, since he became president. Um, is is this, from their perspective, um, uh, a, you know, we'll screw all the liberals, we don't care what he does? Or is this the, is this the kind of agenda that, that, that the base really wants to see? I, I think it's, it's a little bit of both of those things. I mean, um, it, you know, it's clear that, uh, uh, you, you know, that, the, I mean, first of all, they, the, the, what's going on here is, you know, if you wanted to destroy Washington and throw out all the uh, folks that you blame for everything that's, you know, ever gone wrong in the country, um, every time, um he does something that makes people like me um, and others on television and in Washington, um, uh, you know, put their hair on fire. Uh, his supporters, uh, you know, are, are uh, that, that just 
delights them. I mean, they, 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 they're thrilled by that. Um, and so all these fights, I mean, this is you know, you, the question you asked about, you know, why is he so aggressive? Why is he always on the attack? Because he's attacking um, all the elites and all the people that his supporters uh, uh, are thrilled um, to give a black eye to and want to cheer it on. Um, you, you know, and so, um, it, it, that's, that, that's true. And then at the, the same time you do have, um, uh, for a lot of them, a lot of his supporters, an agenda, uh, whether it's to build the wall, uh, whether it's to just destroy anything Obama did, cause anything Obama did had to be bad, uh, or, um, to reduce taxes or, you know, any number of, uh, of uh the, the you know or or you're you're terrified by ISIS and want to make sure no muslims ever come to the united states again he's you know he's your guy and uh you know that it, it adds up between the two of those groups it's you know adding up to 35 36 37% um he's certainly not doing anything to reach out beyond that and seems to be um, you know, constantly going back to reinforce that, that group. I think that's what the transgender, um, ban in the military was about because he was attacking Sessions, uh, who conservatives, particularly on immigration and, uh, uh, it, you know, and, uh, uh, some of the other, uh, in civil rights, uh, they love Sessions on those things. Uh, and so, hey, here I'll throw you a little tran- transgender ban. Uh, you know, now that's one of the few. I mean, I, so I do think he occasionally does things strategically, but you know, they're for really warped reasons. <laughs> so, so the transgender ban is partially. I mean, we've seen reports that it was in, in you know, partially because he would get funding for his 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 big, beautiful, clear wall. But but it's also partially, in your view. Uh, to deflect from other things that he's he's getting flack for. No, I think it, it's if if he's if he feels like he's upsetting his base because he's going after Sessions, he wants to give his base something to Got cheer it. him for. On um, it's a uh, it, it's all about holding his base together, um, uh, and I, so I think um, uh, you know, and I think that's all that matters to him. I don't think anything else does. Uh, uh, so you know, we'll see. But that's what I think is going on. So, um, so when we look at what is going on, and we kind of fast forward to to twenty eighteen and and twenty twenty, um, which is of course your specialty. Um, I look at the you know the 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 Democrats, and and I kind of scratch my head trying to wonder what it is that they're actually doing and planning for. Do you have any insight to, to, to that or any viewpoint as to how it's kind of going to play out over the next couple of years? Well, I mean, the first thing I'd say is it sounds really familiar to what the big criticism of Republicans were during the Obama uh, uh, presidency. Uh, you know, all you got, you know, the, 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 it was all about, uh, they had no ideas. It was the only idea they had was to be against Obama. Um, it's that, I mean, it's very same kind of, uh, criticism, by the way, I, I believe both criticisms are legitimate that, you know, Democrats, uh, haven't, you know, ha- haven't 
uh, done a very good job of um, of uh, uh, moving beyond um, standing for being against Trump, right? Um, so I think that 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 has to, or hopefully, will start to happen uh, more between now and uh, 2018 um, and, and into 2000, 2020. But I think you know what you've got going on in the in the Democratic Party uh, are sort of two things at once. Uh, one, you've got I think a a, a generational um, uh, divide that's uh, you know starting to really show um, in the you know when you look at uh, you, you know people talking about Joe Biden or. Or Bernie Sanders or Elizabeth Warren, um, you know, or Nancy Pelosi still being, you know, uh, uh, leading in the House and, and, and Schumer in the Senate, sort of, uh, uh, the potential, a bunch of potential 2020, uh, candidates and leadership, um, uh, that's, you know, in their seventies, uh, or approaching that, um, huh. uh, uh, at the same time, including Hillary in 2016, yeah. um, is sort of being, and, and then you, you see, um, of, you know, sort of vibrant new generation of, um, of Democrats emerging in the house, um, uh, that, you, you know, I think you start, you, you're starting to see that generational, um, uh, and I think, uh, sort of, not fight, but I think that was what part of that Tim, Tim Ryan um, uh, group that uh, you saw, you know, in, in the uh, leadership fight in the House uh, with Pelosi, you, you know, is sort of the first um, the, the first signs that hey, there's a younger group here with a different um, we, you know, with a new vision, and we want we want to have a say. Um, and so I think that's going to start emerging, particularly if you do win a lot of House seats. And, you know, if there is a big wave um, and the Democrats pick up the majority and those and it brings in, a, a you know, 30 seats of, you know, new, young, uh, not been involved in politics before, you know, sort of like the likes of Seth Moulton and uh, Tulsi Gabbard and, uh, and, and, you know, others out there. Um, I think it, you know, you, that that's only going to grow. Um, I mean, that that kind of um, uh, generational uh, emergence of a new generation of Democrats, I think, is is right here on, you know, just the, just starting and it's on the uh, imminent re- horizon. Can it grow by 2018? Can I mean, can it, this solve itself by then? I mean, this seems like it's something that no, may no, take no. Place I don't think a... it resolves itself till 2020. Uh, uh, all, all the because you still have, also have the other uh, fight. There's still there's also sort of uh, 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 you, you know uh, the, the progressive emergence against the the, the uh, establishment in the party um, that you know part, was uh, a big part of the Hillary Clinton Bernie Sanders fight, and that you do see. Uh, um, happening in some of the Democratic primaries of 2018, um, that that and not unlike, by the way, the the 2010 
um, uh, fight that was going on with the Republican Party along, you know, establishment versus Tea Party. Uh, not that I want to equate the Tea Party with um, Bernie Sanders. I'm just saying, that, but I do think yeah. he's got no, it's sort a of. Uh, yeah. Uh, 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 so you sort of have these two different um, uh, divisions sort of being worked out in the de- or fought over or worked out in the Democratic Party, and I think does those come to a head um, in 2020 in a presidential race, much again, like the Republicans didn't resolve any of that there, you know, from 2010, it took till, till Trump, right? I mean, it's all set. All these things generally, in my view, from past experience get settled in a, in a presidential race, because that's the one place where the, the, different wings and different groups um, or the support uh, uh, groups in a party. Um, you know, ha- like if you look at the Republicans had, uh, you know, 16 candidates. Yeah, yeah. If you were a conservative, you had four or five to pick from. If you were uh, against the uh, immigration reform, you had, you know, everybody had somebody they could get behind and either get, uh, okay, my ideas were defeated, and now what do I do? And you finally end up with Donald Trump. I think the same thing, uh, kind of thing, is going to happen now with the Democrats. Uh, so who's the Democrats, Donald Trump? Uh, we don't know. I mean, I, that's what I'm, I, I don't know that, um, what I mean by that is I don't know. I think you'll have generational candidates. I think there'll be people from the current, you know, generation of leaders in the party, uh, whether that's a Joe Biden or a Bernie Sanders or an Elizabeth Warren. Um, I think you'll have uh, a younger generation, uh, uh, you, know, you, you know, candidates out there. I don't know who, who those will be, but there'll be, I think, several. And then I think you'll have, um, uh, it, you know, it, it, so it, within... Uh, all that there'll be, uh, I think, you know, a you know, sort of the old vision, new vision Democrats. I mean, however you want to put that, but you know, the, there's going to be, uh, I think, people who are going to come to the table with different ideas, new ideas, and and run against the um, uh, the status quo and the establishment and the party. And somebody's going to emerge. Now, I never would have predicted. Um, uh, who would have predicted that out of all those different divisions that existed in the Republican Party, they'd come um, come down to Donald Trump? But a lot of that is because when you have that many divi- – you have 16 people and you're dividing it up, you don't need to get to 50 to win the nomination anymore. You know, he, I, I think he won it with, you know, 39 percent, 40 percent of the votes going through most of those primaries. Um, so that's what I mean. Somebody is going to, and, and it can be, it could be somebody we don't, we, it could be a celebrity candidate. Um, uh, you know, I mean, that's what happened, right? You know, once you get that 16 candidates fighting it out, um, and one of them uh, can garner the media attention uh, and is a celebrity and um, um, is as good at pushing buttons as Donald Trump was, that can happen on the Democratic side too, whether it's, whether it's a Kanye West or, you know, I'm not getting into, into that. That's my next question, I, I guess. It's like, you know, the one thing that, I think the, the one thing that Trump did that is 
arguably there's a good side and a bad side is that he took away the established theory that one had to go through as if you wanted to be president you had to you had to be a mayor and then you had to be a governor and then you had to be a vice president or whatever it was before you could run and along comes trump and says okay i'm going to kind of completely break this and and succeeded in doing that you know the the benefit of that is that there that you could in 2020 have um, an incredibly successful business person like Jeff Bezos or Bob Iger or something like that that could run. But then the downside is that you have people like Kanye West and The Rock and so on who who see this as an opportunity to grow their fame. Um, do you think that that you know the 2020 election is going to kind of look a little bit like you know the the election in uh, in England where you had you know you know, Mr. Buckethead and Elmo and and all these other bizarre characters, but ours are going to be celebrities on, on, on stage up there? Uh, I think that's likely. I, I mean, it, it, again, look, part of what's going on is the parties are obsolete, both of them. Um, I'm, I'm not talking what do you, like... What do you um, mean by that? Can you can you explain that further? Yeah, okay. You, you need... You go back and look at, at the history of their primaries, uh, about 25 to 30 million people vote in the Republican primaries for president. About 25 to 30 million vote in the Democratic primaries for president. Um, so when you look at it, if you actually go back and look at this, about 5% of voting age, the voting age uh, uh, group in the United States made Donald Trump the nominee of the Republican Party. Um, about, I think I figured this out, about 3% made Bernie Sanders the huge threat to Hillary Clinton that he was, right? It doesn't take that much. Um, and particularly in an internet, social media, uh, driven world, um, it, it, it's the, the, you know, moving your, the calendar, moving, uh, the, the, the old, the party sitting down and trying to decide if we move, if we remove Iowa from, and New Hampshire from being the first states, um, that'll maybe we'll end up with a different candidate, a, a better way to nominate a candidate. No, <laughs> it's it's over. <laughs> the, the primary system and the caucus system, the the parties have been operating under all this time, doesn't jive in a in a social media internet uh, uh, mobile device world where. You only have to add five or six million new people into that mix, into showing up at those things. Yeah, you've got to get some part of uh, the the Democrats that show up or some part of the Republicans that, that show up. But if you're Donald Trump and you're a celebrity and you're going to say things that resonate with the with the far right in your party and also bring in a bunch of people who, you know, five, six million people who haven't voted before in, in a Republican primary, you're going to demolish and can take over the party. That's what he did. Bernie almost, Bernie wasn't a Democrat, almost does it um, uh, in 2016 against Hillary Clinton on the Democratic side. So, you know, you start to wonder why if you're the Greens, why would you why would you run as a third party? Why don't you just mm. put your run a candidate as a Democrat, take over the the Democratic Party, and um, and run on on a 
uh, on climate change and shutting down every nuclear power plant in America. Because now, if there are 5 million Americans out there who want to shut down every nuclear power plant, um, and you add those in with, you know, you're now, you could, you could start to run havoc over the Democratic Party, many of whom would think shutting down every Democrat, every uh, power plant uh, would be a little, it would be crazy. But I'm just, so, so this is how you get to Trump. That's what happened on their side. Um, and it nearly happened on the Democratic uh, Party side. And the actual reason it didn't was, in my view, is because Hillary Clinton was so strong, so strong, uh, exactly the opposite of what everybody thinks. I mean, it wasn't, he wasn't getting her because she was weak. He, he couldn't get her because she was so strong with the, 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 the party that existed. I mean, in the, you know, African Americans, for, for example, the, the most loyal uh, Democratic Party voters. He couldn't, he couldn't touch her with, 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 with them. Um, and, and so, and there, he couldn't bring in enough new people to swamp the, 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 the real strong, uh, pillars within the Democratic Party. Um, and that's because she was so strong, strong there. So, um, but now who's th- that strong, um, with the core, um, with core Democrats? Uh, there's no one left. I mean, there are no Kennedy. I mean, there's no, you know, uh, Kennedy, uh, 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 you know, some of the, 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 the names that uh, have been, I don't know, maybe Joe will go. But I don't, even there, I don't think, the, the, I think those, um, those, bond, bound, those, those uh, strings that bind are not uh, as strong as they, as they were, again, because of the way uh, the parties have evolved in, the way technology is moving things. And so I think, no, I think the, the two parties are as, as instruments to nominate, they're great instruments to take over now, but they're not, they're no longer in, in control of their nominating um, processes. And 2016 proved that. And the fact that the Democrats escaped um, in 2016 barely isn't like a great sign that they're immune. No, I think in 2020, anything's possible. Last week, I went shopping for new clothes on the internet. I got a great new blazer, some skinny jeans. Yes, I do wear skinny jeans and a couple of comfortable and stylish shirts. But the best part of my shopping excursion was I didn't actually have to pick out any of these clothes. Someone else did it for me. That's because I used a website called Bombfell. The way it works is you sign up at Bombfell, fill out a simple and quick questionnaire, and then you're matched with your very own personal dedicated stylist. You don't pay any money for this. It's all free. You only pay for the clothes that you end up buying. So back to my shopping experience last week. After I signed up, noting a few of my style preferences, I got an email from my personal stylist with some pictures of some clothes he had handpicked out personally for me. Everything looked great, so my stylist sent them off to me, where I tried the clothes on in the comfort of my own home, which is huge because I didn't have to use a dressing room in a clothing store. Anyway, if I didn't like anything, I could easily just stuff it back in the envelope and send it back. I wouldn't be charged anything. But luckily, I loved all the things I got from Bombfell, and I can't wait to use it again. The whole experience was so simple and painless, I've been telling all my friends to try it too. My advice to you is to do the same thing. 
Bombfell is so simple and convenient. Best of all, they charge nothing to sign up, and you don't pay anything unless you decide to keep the clothes. All you need to do is go to bombfell.com, that's B-O-M-B-F-E-L-L, and sign up today. Once again, that's bombfell.com, B-O-M-B-F-E-L-L, and sign up today to start working with your own personal stylist. Do you think 2018 is going gonna, is gonna to be not, not good for the Democrats? No, no, no. I think, I think 2018 is, is probably going to be a wave election right now. I mean, if it were today, I think it'd be a wave election, and it would be, um, I think a lot of Republicans wouldn't be coming back. Um, now that, that we're still a long ways off, and that can, that can you know, anything can, can change that. Um, uh, but, uh, but right now, um, I think the Republicans are, are, are in a lot, uh, uh, are, you know, are, are paying the price for their party being taken over, um, frankly. And, you know, and they, they've got to decide, they're trying to decide, um, you, you know, it, it's kind of hard for, if you're a member, a Republican member of Congress, what do you do? Um, your party's been taken over. If you walk away, you're done, and if you hug it, you could be done. So that's the that's the quandary they're in on the other side. The deal with the devil. Yeah. Are you you based in Washington? Yeah. Well, I mean, yeah, I, I live in Maryland, but uh, <laughs> it's about as far away from Washington as I can in Maryland. That's funny. So, so do you? I mean, people that you're speaking to, um, I'm assuming Republicans and Democrats, um, are, are they terrified about the situation that we're in right now? The people that are actually working in this world um or or is there some some sense of like okay well this is this is it and we just have to kind of get through it and because uh, for me as a as a as a citizen uh it's terrifying it's it's totally unpredictable it's embarrassing uh often it is um uh it's probably you know one of the most bizarre political climates I've ever seen for as long as I've been alive in, in the Western world. Um, how, what is the feeling like there? Uh, I think, uh, again, I hate to keep saying all those things, but yeah, all that. I mean, I think it's all that. And I, I think two, there, there's three, there's sort of three pieces of that. I think um, everybody, uh, uh, is, you know, is you know at some level embarrassed, uh, uh, afraid of what it all means and what's happening, um, but at the same time, um, you see enough of the constitutional and institutional pillars of the uh, uh, you know that have held the country up um, coming into you know with some force. Um, to set up barriers that kind of alleviate that fear. In other words, I, I, I think there's a, yeah, this is terrifying, but, you know, the just the Justice Department, you know, he, he could fire everybody and it, the, the investigation will go on. Um, the, you know, the Supreme Court won't, you know, I mean, there's, there, there's enough faith in the institutions, at least in Washington, um, to think, you know, this will all, it, it, it will all, will, will all come out and, and we'll be better for it. Um, I don't, you know, they, they could all be wrong. I'm just trying to give you a real feel for, yeah. for kind of like what you run into if you're 
you know, talking to, to people uh, on both sides about it. There's, I mean, I think the real surprise is how far the Republicans have been a- willing to go to enable it and not stand up to it. I mean, although that's starting to change a little, too, I think. But um, Wh- wh- uh, why? It, I mean, it's part of that that they... You know, I mean, it's interesting because I remember, you know, a couple of weeks before the election and there were all these news articles and people on TV saying that the Republican Party is completely broken after after Trump loses. It's going to be a a lot of self-reflection and realigning and so on and so forth. And that's what it felt like. It was pure chaos. It was, you know, no one had any control. Paul Ryan looked like a complete dunce, um, uh, you know, said he wasn't even going to, you know, after the 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 tape came out of Trump talking about grabbing women. He, you know, said he wasn't going to campaign for him anymore and so on. And it felt like complete and utter chaos. And then lo and behold, Trump wins. And they're all like, we're the, we're, you know, the, we're a big group of geniuses and we, and now we're going to pull off our agenda. Um, it, 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 yeah, it feels like well. today. That's worked out really Yeah, it turned out real well. <laughs> <laughs> well, it feels like today. With the amount that they've they have been unable to get done, uh, that the party is what we thought it was a couple of weeks before Trump did win, um, right? And and it is is that um, uh, is that your feeling too? Yeah, it's like I said. I think they've got the problem is their party was he he took over their party, and their problem is they need his part of the party to win. So what do you do? I mean, in other words, you're you're now going to stand for election in 2018 and you, you can't win unless you, you can get enough of the Trump vote to be with you because you're not going to get any Democrats to do it. Uh, I mean, you know, again, because he's so polarized uh, Democrats away from, you know, I mean, and not just him, but every, you know, we're polarized. So, you can't, you know, there, there's a fear, I think, of taking him on within the party because then his supporters are, you know, are going to um, uh, attack you. I mean, you see this with Heller in, in Nevada, uh, although God knows whether there's anything Heller can do to save himself um, uh, because he, he, I don't know if he, it's not possible to walk this divide. Um, uh, I, I don't think in, in, you know, given how close it, it, the, the race would be for him. And so if you're in that situation, what do you do? If you break away hard, you're done. And if you hug him hard, you're done. And so I think, um, uh, uh, you know, now there are plenty of Republicans, by the way, they're in 78% Republican districts that voted for Trump, you know, um, big and, uh, even if that drops to 60 uh, from 78, they're going to be fine. And that's why those are the people that are defending and sticking and, uh, and like shucking and jiving and turning themselves into pretzels for him. Um, so uh, uh, it's going to be very interesting to see how in some of these Senate races and in these districts, the 24 districts that Hillary Clinton won, um, that have a Republican uh, in, in them, those Republicans are the ones that are sitting there in that that split party uh, that got taken over. And what do they what 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 do they do 
um, if they, you know, to, to, to hold it all together, not saying they can't do it. I'm just saying, I think it's, it's a much bigger problem. I think particularly with Democrats and, and even independents as energized as they are, um, to, to, um, you know, to get active, to support, uh, you know, a, a candidate that's not, uh, not with Trump. So I think if you look at all that, um, yes, Democrats need uh, to, to develop uh, uh, new policies that actually uh, address some of the, the things that, that, that people are facing out there uh, that, that, that are, are at least connecting with them in a, in a more direct way uh, than we did in 2016. Um, but, but I think all, all things being equal, 2018, um, I, I think the Republicans are in a lot worse shape. And I also think on the, I, on the whole thing of, you know, what's happening out there is, look, you know, if, if I use the example of Kodak going bankrupt, 187,000 people lost their jobs that day. Uh, like a few months later, uh, uh, Instagram sold itself to Facebook for a billion dollars and had 13 employees. So you have 187,000 people lost their, lose their jobs when Kodak goes bankrupt. Instagram has uh, uh, 13 employees when it sells itself for a billion bucks. Okay, now one party, the Republicans, will tell you if you count if you if you um, cut taxes to the bone, that'll solve that problem. And the Democrats um, will tell you with job retraining and um, uh, and we put a lot of money in infrastructure, that's going to solve that problem. Well, there are lots of people who are sitting there looking at both of those things and going like, oh, great, I got to go back to school. Or I got to, I mean, there's nothing good in there. Yeah. Um, and so along the way, somebody comes out uh, the woodwork screaming at the top of their lungs, I'll tell you who did this to you. It was the Mexicans and the Chinese. And somebody else comes along screaming at the top of their lungs, I'll tell you who did this to you. It was Wall Street and the greedy banks. Um, and in lieu of, um, you know, okay, I can go do job retraining or I can get, or, or, or I can get pissed, a lot of people got pissed. And, I mean, there's good reason to be pissed on, on some of that stuff. That's not my point. But I just think, no, we've got to – We've got to articulate a real economic vision for the, for the future that's not just p- pounding on Trump um, and not just um, uh, kind of, you know, here, take your cough medicine, um, uh, which, you know, which is, no, a lot, of, a lot of really good policies can sound that way. Um, yeah. you, you know, I mean, the average 50-year-old is not, you know, sitting hankering to go back uh, go to welding school or whatever, you know, whatever the job training, uh, uh, thing is. So I'm just saying, I think that there's, because both parties are, have been so locked in an economic debate and haven't really moved that debate forward very much. It's made both of them vulnerable, um, to the likes of a Donald Trump. Yeah, I completely agree. And I think the the big problem is that, when you fast forward a few years and we start to see automation taking jobs 
uh, at a rapid, rapid pace. That's going to be an even bigger issue that's going to come to the fore, um, and uh, and the repercussions are going to, I think are going to be astounding. Right. Um, right, and that's what I'm saying. You know, you know, infrastructure. Yeah, we need to rebuild infrastructure. It's right, but it doesn't address the some of those underlying, uh, some of the real underlying issues that are happening to people right now. And the same thing, reducing taxes. I'm sure that, you know. There are plenty of people who always want their taxes reduced, but that's not going to um, uh, change that equation either. And so we kind of go into these debates with, you know, you can almost like, you know, basically script it out. They're going to talk about reducing, ta- you know, the same, we're going to have the same arguments and the, you know, the people are dealing with a different set of set of problems that, both parties in sort of being locked into that old debate haven't haven't moved forward enough on to actually connect with people um, in a way uh, that, that that engages them positively and and makes them decide that yeah I'm gonna I'm gonna I'm, I'm a Democrat this year so I think Democrats would do well to to build that uh, new vision um, I don't see much chance of the Republicans doing that at all as long as Donald Trump's president of the United States. So um, that's another reason I think in the end, um, uh, I, I think 2018, 2020, uh, Democrats have a much better opportunity than Republicans do. So uh, just last couple of questions um, uh, before we let you go. You, uh, you've been doing campaign stuff for decades and um, since, the, since 84, right? No, 79. <laughs> 79. Wow, I was yeah. years off. Uh, Ted Kennedy, and, 1980. Uh, Ted, wow. So a lot's changed over the years, but I, I, I personally feel, and maybe you can shed some light on this, that, that the past, the last election uh, was, had one of the biggest standing effects was, you know, the use of technology um, to target people with information, whether it was incorrect or correct. Um, and there were companies like Cambridge Analytica that came along where they offered this, you know, they purport that they, they can create, you know, several thousand different types of ads that they can then target to several different thousand t- different people. Um, do you think that those these technologies are changing the way one has to campaign um, uh, and will continue to do that? Or, or are they just kind of um, additional tools that one has to be aware of? Uh, no, they they absolutely changing the way um, uh, we campaign. I mean, we start, you know, like the Dean campaign. Um, uh, you know, the it, you saw the start of that happen. I mean, you, I mean, you know, we in in three or four months raised more money than than Bill Clinton raised when he during when he set the record for Democrats and was reelected, and it was during his reelection campaign, uh, not his election. And you saw, you know. Uh, uh, you know, Obama just swamp um, with small dollar donations, and now you're seeing exactly what you're you're saying is, as the technology's gotten even stronger, tools have gotten stronger, and now um, you're able to um, you, you know target with great precision um, and know exactly what uh, uh, is top of mind for the person that you're targeting, and be able to. Uh, to uh, assemble ads um, that that literally are applying directly to that one individual, 
Uh, and then, then it crossed with all algorithms, finding other individuals just like that person. And you can, um, and you can really, uh, uh, get some, uh, really have a big impact. That doesn't, but, but what we're seeing is a gradient, right? I mean, you know, the average 70 year old is still, uh, and 65 year old is still, uh, uh, television is the most dominant way to get them to change their opinion or to focus on, on, on a candidate or issue. So you, the, the mix is, is now different. You have to. You still have to run um, uh, television for a lot of people that are still out there that are not, uh, you know, on mobile devices or are not getting the bulk of uh, uh, their th- their information on the net. Although most and now even people in their sixties are. But I'm just saying that gradient is moving up, and the tools within it are getting, you know, more powerful. Uh, data analytics, et cetera. And so, you know, what that's done, frankly, is everybody, I hate, everybody, oh, yeah, the Russians have been trying to do this to us for years. Yeah, they did, and they have. But the problem was for them, um, you know, you, you know, they used to have to figure out how to get Ted Koppel to invite Posner on Nightline back when there were only three channels. And, and then, uh, and, and then, that's how you know we consumed uh, Russian propaganda, uh, 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 you know, and it was kind of obvious. Um, today, no, you can start a whole bunch of you know America's Beautiful dot com websites with crazy you know bad info on them uh, and whole internet. Uh, bot armies uh, uh, can, including the partisans, Bill, you know, Hillary Clinton's um, uh, people on on Twitter and social media will move a bad a bad story about Trump that was planted by Russia just as fast as Trump's army will. So you can have you can basically um, inject anything you want into the bloodstream of the country and the info stream of the country. And, um, uh, and you don't have to, uh, you don't have to get, uh, you know, on ABC news anymore. Um, and so it's all this technology is, is it, it, it for me, it's, um, you know, as somebody who, when I did the Dean campaign really thought, Hey, um, I really wanted to build a campaign that, actually empowered citizens to participate, get more involved directly in the campaign and in their governance, um, and, you know, was naive enough to think that, or idealistic enough to think that that's uh, what I was helping to launch, um, and still sort of felt that way through the first Obama election, it's now started to take on, um, you know, you know it, 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 the side effects and um, the way the technology is evolving and being used, I think is doing more, more damage to, to our democracy, um, than helping it. Um, uh, now, you know, that's, uh, uh, something that, uh, I think we really need to address. Uh, and it is a big problem in Trump, um, in the administration, not recognizing that we've, that, you know, regardless of what happened in 2016, 
uh, and it, it, we really need to address this. And I also think the parties need to, because I think, and again, I don't mean just about the data, data analytics and the other uh, stuff that we're just talking about now, but I'm talking about just their nomination systems, I don't think are going to survive um, in this in, 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 with this technology. I mean, I think that everything is going to be overrun by 2022 or 2024. Yeah, I completely agree. So, so last question, um, you, let's just pretend that, uh, you're, you've been put in charge of the democratic, whoever the nominee is, we'll pretend, we'll, we'll pretend it's, uh, it's the rock for now. Uh, and, uh, you, you have to figure out, how to win 2020. What's your strategy? Oh man, we're light years from 2020. We don't, I mean, it, you know, is Donald Trump president? Is he running for reelection? I mean, I don't mean this. Uh, I don't mean that. Uh, yeah, yeah, no, I get it. Uh, facetiously, but we're, we're so far off uh, that, you know, anything, you know, we could be running against Pence uh, or we could be, you know, or, or Trump could be, you know, uh, on, on, uh, you know, on an economy on fire and running for reelection. Uh, I, I mean that I'll, either one of those is totally within the realm. Let me ask you a, a different question then. Since uh, okay. who do you think are going to be the nominees in 2020? If you had to guess today, uh, I think it's likely both parties, two people we have never heard of today, or or, oh, or really? very you know not not yeah. Well, the one thing I would say, look, I, I'll go back. The one thing I'd caution everybody about. Um, tr- Trump and, you know, even my own thing, hey, you know, Kanye West could run or, or the both parties are going to be taken over. I can tell you from my experience in 2010 in California was a little bit different than I expected because we were, you know, Arnold Schwarzenegger had been uh, governor of California. Uh, Meg Whitman uh, from eBay had entered the race. Uh, to run and, and you know, was in uh, was coming in as new and different, and um, uh, and uh, Jerry Brown, who had been governor in you know the seventies, Attorney General, Secretary of State, Mayor of Oakland. I mean, every office that you could possibly hold between seventy four and uh, two thousand ten, he had held, um, and was decided to go back and run for governor. And I thought when we started this thing out, oh my God, we're the old, you know, been around forever and we're facing new and different. And, um, and then the more we started to get into the race, everybody, uh, I mean, voters everywhere, you'd say, what about Meg Whitman? And they'd all start to go, no, new and different. We tried that with Arnold Schwarzenegger and look at what happened to our state no, I just want somebody who knows how to make it work. And, you know, all of a sudden, the old governor coming back was, you know, it, it was like where everybody turned. Um, and so part of what I'm wondering is, yeah, we're talking today about, you know, how Trump and chaos and disruption. And, you know, it may well be that all the... Jeff Bezos and Mark Zuckerberg's and Kanye West's out there, uh, and Mark Cuban's are uh, starting to think about running for president of the United States are just the, the next Meg Whitman. That what's actually 
what we could be headed for in 2020 um, is a country that is after this is just looking for Ike. <laughs> I mean, looking for <laughs> somebody who knows how, you know, how government works, who's not going to be bombastic and is actually, you know, like I said, like, and, and you know, like I said, in California, that, that, that's what made um, it possible for Jerry Brown uh, to win a third and fourth term for governor and the leader he is in the state today. Um, who is that? Um, and c- can it emerge in either party? Um, is it a new, gen- is it a new generation? Um, but I think, you know, it's, I, I don't think it's going to be as disruptive a candidate as, you know, when we say, well, Trump could, uh, Trump could take over the democratic party. Um, it's totally within the realm with this technology and everything, but I actually think the part, the, the California experience may point um, to uh, 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 to somebody to, to you know to somebody with a lot of experience who who people can build could can can literally have a sigh of relief envisioning them in the Oval Office. Well, let's hope you're right, because uh, I could use a few sighs of relief right about now. Um, <laughs> thank you so much for taking the time to chat with us today. This has been really fascinating, and uh, um, look forward to hearing from you again in the future. Uh, thanks for having me on. Thank you to my guest today, Joe Trippy. If you enjoyed this conversation, be sure to listen and subscribe to other great episodes of Inside the Hive with Nick Bilton. You can find these on Apple Podcasts, Google Play, or anywhere you get your podcasts. And don't forget to leave a review while you're there. Thanks to the folks at Digital Media for their production work and my editors at Vanity Fair. And thanks, of course, to my sponsor today, Bombfell. Please support them the same way you support this podcast. I'll see you all next week. I'm Alex Schwartz. I'm Nomi Fry. I'm Vincent Cunningham, and this is Critics at Large, a New Yorker podcast for the culturally curious. Each week, we're going to talk about a big idea that's showing up across the cultural landscape, and we'll trace it through all the mediums we love. Books, movies, television, music, art. And I always want to talk about celebrity gossip, too. Of course. What are you guys excited to cover in the next few months? There's a new translation of The Iliad that's coming out, Emily Wilson. Really excited to see whether I can read the Iliad again, whether I'm that literate, I mean, the jury is out. I can't wait to hear Adam Driver go again in an Italian accent in Michael Mann's Ferrari. (laughs) He can't stop. I mean, and and bless him. I can't wait. Molto bene. Molto bene. (laughs) (laughs) We hope you'll join us for new episodes each Thursday. Follow Critics at Large today, wherever you get podcasts. You really don't want to miss this. Don't. Don't miss this. Don't miss it. See you soon. (laughs) 